0: Welcome to part two of the Adventure Mechanics discussion of Subnautica. I'm Chandler.
1: I'm Devin.
2: And I'm Tom.
0: What were we talking about? <laughs>
1: uh,
2: the
0: experience of the game. And how they made movement right. so enjoyable.
1: Yes, and I was going to say that. And once you like upgrade your fins... You know, so like you swim really, really fast and gracefully. When you go out on land or like into the alien bases where there is no water, you just kind of plod along and it's like. It feels. It's awkward. just like you feel terrible. It's awkward and slow and bleh, and it just.
2: Oh yeah, you feel super limited when you're on land. You're like, ugh, take me back into the water.
1: But I think that's great because it shows like you know you're kind of adapting to being in the water and like that difference. Like if you do a lot of swimming, like uh, I used I love swimming. I like being in the water. But you know like when you've been swimming for like over an hour and then you're like, okay, I guess it's time to. go Go back to the hotel room or whatever, and you get out of the pool, and you're just like, "Fuck gravity!" Right? <laughs> Ugh, everything's the worst. Ugh! And you just kind of plod along. Like, welcome back.
0: Yeah, like even after you've explored the whole map, it's just a joy to f- ride around on your little ski-doo or the underwater oh, mm-hmm. torpedo that you hold on to I, I, Oh yeah! I, I couldn't the help. Yeah, I couldn't help but call it a ski-doo. Doesn't matter what the actual title was. It was a ski to me the whole time.
2: Okay, um, how many of you did the whole jumping out of the water like a dolphin thing for like oh, an extended me. period of time?
1: Every oh, time, time I went into my moon moon pool, all the time, every with time with the sea glide, with the sea moth. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Like.
0: And every time you'd hit something on land, you're like, "Oh God, I have to walk. This is horrible." <laughs>
1: yeah. They really did
0: make walking and running in this game painful, and I,
1: yeah, I'm not
0: sure whether it was intentional or not, but the effect is I don't very think it was. like stunning because you would just like start walking around on land. You're like, "Oh my God, walking is a pain. Why can't I just be back yeah. in the water?"
1: Yeah, I. I, I think it, it, it's, it's like, that emulates real life, like, if you yeah. like swimming, and, like, you swim, because I do, and I used to, like, you know, swim a lot, and you'd get out of the water when it's like, okay, you've been swimming for over an hour, you gotta go home, or whatever, and you'd get out, and it'd just be like, oh gravity weighing on you, like, walking you is a heavy. chore, and it's just like, I just want to go back in the water where everything's fine, and not difficult, and I don't <laughs> feel like I'm a million pounds, and... <laughs> Under the sea. I I genuinely
2: don't think that they tried at that. I think that that's actually a natural effect of the of like how good the game is at making you feel immersed in the water. Because actually moving along the land is more freeing than most games are, or or more uh, gives you more freedom than most games would. Because um, you can walk up like ridiculously steep slopes that most games would be like, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, no. (laughs) You, you so, like, it works. <laughs> yeah and you can you can sprint just like any other game you've ever played oh,
0: nice skyrim reference right
2: <laughs> um but yeah like you can sprint like most other games and you can sprint relatively quickly it's just i think that the game makes you feel so free um and does such a good job of giving that impression that when you're on land you feel limited but it's not intentional yeah. the game's not doing it you are yeah. It's a natural thing.
1: Well, I think it's like the two things working together. Like, it's your perception, but That's, also like yes. the way that the game is built. That's why yes. I
0: didn't really build a base. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to have to walk in that thing. This is terrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Especially if you build a big sprawling base. Yeah, no. I
2: <laughs> like, I
1: unintentionally did. And it's like, oh, I need to go all the way over to my bioreactor. But crap, I've got to go through, like, a zigzag of corridors to get there because i didn't plan this very well
2: i i spent maybe this is why i have so many hours going nowhere in the game i spent hours designing my base to be incredibly ergonomic so mine is like uh where you enter the base splits off immediately in multiple directions and everything Uh is like organized so i have like a storage room in one direction and a bedroom in another direction and and the scanner room in another direction, and then an observatory in another direction, and it's all really localized, so it was really easy to move around in.
0: I wonder why you never um, finished oh. the fucking story. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Goodness. I had a really nice. Well, see, and again, this is again, this for me, it was like it was part of the immersion because I'm sitting here like thinking, oh, I live on this planet now. There's. I honestly didn't know I'm gonna die on this planet
1: I'm infected I I, there's no way I'm going home so yeah we will make myself comfortable I'm not
2: yes that's exactly (laughs) where my brain was I'm like well there's no fucking way this the people that came to save me are already dead no one else is coming
0: (laughs) I mean you're not wrong you just had to build a uh, rocket to get off of it and disinfect yourself
2: Right, so I, I was think, like, okay. I didn't know that you could get off the planet because the last time I'd played the game, it was in beta still, and that was not an option. So I was like, well, I'm just going to make a base that's really cozy because I'm going to be here a while, and I'm going to be at this base a what? lot. And to be fair, you were. was. Yeah.
0: Now, so that That brings up an interesting question, though. Like, if you had one of the non-infected peepers, and like you had it jab the sample thing had it jab an uninfected peeper do you think you would have been able to get off despite being infected because i feel like that would be one thing that would be an obvious huh. like trick to do to the machine obviously it's not in the game as is because right you can't like hit the button with a peeper which would be kind of funny but yeah that's not a thing right so would that be a thing and like if this were real I feel like that would be an obvious, like, problem. So,
1: well, well, okay, so we're moving into some, like, a lot of speculation.
0: Sorry, Mm. just a random thought.
1: That, no, I think it's interesting because there's a lot of information we don't have, like, for example, about the precursors, and the fact that they did quarantine this planet, they did institute this where nobody gets on the planet, nobody gets off the planet. Like, we're just, nobody leaves, nobody comes until we figure this out because it was so bad. And there's kind of an idea that the precursors, like they were all in agreement about this. And certainly the ones on this planet seem to be in agreement because they were all working on this project. And I'm wondering, this is the part of the information that we don't know about the precursors and how they planned this is, did they plan for that? Does the reading, does the reader thing, does that look for certain genetic markers and how might it do that, especially since, you know, our genetic markers, human genetic markers, like, are very different in many ways from a lot of other living creatures? Like, how different would we be from precursors? How would the, this thing differentiate? Would it know something dead from something alive?
2: I I think it would, and the only reason I say that is if it, you know if you think back to the part where it stabs you, it seems to exhibit a certain amount of intelligence. Like so it looks at I don't you think first. it would be fooled. Yeah, it does. It, does it does look does look seem you, to yeah. look at you. Yeah, it kind of checks you out. So yeah, I think I think that probably the
1: precursors work. the precursors had bid to Earth as well. That's us Yes, that's some lore that you get in their final base. Is that there are some artifacts that um, like, an... are from Earth slash re- resemble things from Earth. Huh. Uh, which Which implies that the Precursors had been there a long time ago. Like, way in the ancient past. Like, ancient wow.
0: Assyrian swords old.
1: Yeah, oh, like, cool. Mongolian. Like, it's like Mongolian stuff. Which is kind of awesome.
0: That is super cool.
1: Which is interesting since since the Degassi is a Mongolian ship, according to the lore. I, it's interesting. Anyway. true. So, yeah, so, like, they clearly had knowledge of humans, at least in ancient antiquity, our ancient antiquity. It's hard to say, since we don't ever see these, these beings, we don't know, you know, how, how they built their stuff. I mean, it, they, they clearly built a lot of it to be self-sustaining. Uh, they also can uh, store their consciousnesses, There's a a cache you can find in the crater, I think it's in the crater, where there's like the big, the three big ghost leviathans that spawn when you go there, uh, because the game hates you. Yes, Um, (laughs) Absolutely. And you have to go way, way, way deep down, but there's a, there's a cache there where you can find some goodies, but you also find that they uh, can store their consciousnesses when they die. Like one of the, one of the precursors there died, but they stored that individual's consciousness. Uh, to to later be resurrected question mark Interesting. Uh, codified
2: can you wake it up
1: I just... uh no you can't wake it up I don't think you could just you just know that it's there like, if I remember correctly I got this
0: consciousness thing yeah that's about it
1: huh. yeah yeah it. it's, get it's like they point. were clearly like incredibly technologically advanced that they oh, yeah. had they could they could go between galaxies. Kind of like the humans at the time that this game is taking place. Humans have been able to do that as well. They can travel between solar systems and galaxies. Uh, but it's pretty clear that the Precursors had, like, a vast empire, and that it was basically, it's implied that they were basically eradicated by this bacterial infection.
0: Yep. Yeah,
2: and, and basically right at the brink of discovering the, the cure as well. So, mm-hmm. humans can't really be proud of curing it, because, yeah, we really didn't.
1: Nope. No. Well, <laughs> they did. <clears throat> Oh, I, ooh, that that takes me in question directions that I want to, <laughs> Well, I want to go. Well,
0: obviously, the they did a very good job with the thrill of the unknown, because we've, oh my we've gosh, spent yes. a good amount of time talking about the unknown and theoreticals, right? So, mm-hmm. I would say that we probably should leave these questions unasked and unanswered, because that's part of the fun of Subnautica, and I believe that they're... Uh, second entry below zero does talk about Mm. a few of those things so they kind of do address that Mm. so yeah I'm just going to like kind of chop that off and say hey there's more to this and it's very interesting and the thrill of the unknown is glorious in this game it's pretty
2: great and the world building is very 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 compelling to make it so that you feel like that matters
1: yeah
0: because the world doesn't revolve around you
2: right yeah
1: which which is the direction I want my question to go. I want to pose okay. a question to you, too. And we don't really have the time to go into it in any depth, and I'm not, like, posing it to, like, blindside anyone. But something to think about, but also I- I'm interested to hear your, like, at least first impression thoughts to this. So, sure. Preface. Folding Ideas, Dan Olson put out a video a while ago about colonialism in Minecraft and about the inherent colonialist ideas that happen and are emergent in and kind of like undergird the survival exploration genre of video games. Whether or not that's intended like that, like by the developers, like it's a thing that's there. So with this game, which is an exploration survival game, with Subnautica, how do you feel about, even though the game itself, you are not the center of this world, like you're just kind of incidental in it, even though you have a first person narrative, how do you feel about the bits and pieces that do come across quite colonialist, like building a base beyond just surviving. I'm on an alien world. I I, I need to survive building a base, going around, running over wildlife, uh, taking eggs out of the wild, putting them in a containment and just watching them swim around. What are you Uh, talking about? Those
0: fish, they were already dead and run over by his sea moth when I got here. (laughs)
1: <laughs> sorry
0: that was the, i had to say that that was the only thing that came across and you're like running over wildlife
1: <laughs> um but yeah like all that's going around and doing the things seeing what the precursors had done because their enterprise was incredibly colonialist as well not just in their past with this vast empire of colonized worlds but specifically coming to this planet quarantining it and then I uh, I don't have the word. What's the word I want? Just like, you know, plundering, plundering oh, yeah, they, this world, yeah, plundering they, they, the world for resources to try and solve their personal problem, a problem that they brought to this world that was, you know, ignorant of it until yeah. they and then they started stealing the eggs of these leviathans. They, in fact,
2: they captured and stole one. Yeah,
1: They captured and enslaved a sentient, sapient being. I mean, there's a lot there that's kind of, I feel when you kind of dig into it, it kind of makes you think. Oh, I agree. You know, how are, what as you as a player in this fictional world, like, are you doing anything different from the precursors? Like, when you leave, you leave all of your crap behind. I mean, of course, the ships got shot down, but all of that is there. You are irradiating the ocean and the explosion of the Aurora would cause basically a mass extinction if you allow it to go off. And I believe that it will go off, at least at one time, it actually would blow up and be endgame if you didn't actually go and repair the ship. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I don't know if that's in final release, I but I think I read somewhere that that had been an earlier build. I don't think that's huh.
0: happening in final release, because there is part of the
1: mission is to basically seal the reactor back up, which... Yeah. Yeah, it does tell you to do that. Yeah, it does tell you to do that. But I didn't know if like you could ignore like because I th- it's been a while, but I thought I had read somewhere that if you ignored it long enough, that it actually would go critical and would be endgame if you didn't actually do it. But that could have been an earlier build I was reading about. I don't know, because I usually go fix it, because I personally am like, I don't feel comfortable with the fact that this thing is irradiating this ocean. That's fair. right, like, And not just because I'm in it and I don't want to be irradiated. It's yeah. like, I feel bad for all of these fish that... We brought this problem to them, like they're, ugh, these beings that already survived at least a thousand years ago a huge mass extinction because of another colonialist empri- enterprise. <laughs> so, so that's my question about how how does how do you how do you feel about that? How does it make you feel? Do you have any thoughts? Uh, so
0: I think that that's a very good question. I would love to dedicate a whole other podcast just to my thoughts on the philosophical issues of it. Cause that's, that's yeah. scratching a huge mm. itch. Oh yeah. Um, it's oh, huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge question. And I do want to talk about that a little bit more in depth, but mm. my first impression is just to kind of give a cursory glance at it is most of the, Um, questions you brought up are problems in the survival crafting genre which is colonialism Mm. versus the world like it happens in minecraft it happens in seven days to die it happens in rust rust is a slightly different problem mostly because the colonialism is other players right (laughs) yeah that's a whole different issue but yeah those are definitely good questions to ask especially considering the genre itself i don't think subnautica is unique in having those problems and i feel like it is lessened in this because of the unknown you're not necessarily mastering the unknown in subnautica because mm-hmm. yes you can kill things but they didn't make it fun or engaging to do so so you kind of give up like after your first attempt, unless you are really mm-hmm. dedicated to it. Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: I keep killing things the whole way through,
0: but I need to eat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, like you don't kill for the challenge.
1: I mean, like killing things for sport, or just like, right. oh, this this leviathan is here and it's inconvenient, so I'm going to shoot it with my stasis rifle, and I'm going to drill it with my my prawn suit until it dies. Like not that kind of like killing things. Like just well, and actually, because that was... you can or you want to.
2: That's actually one of the things I was going to say about it is I feel like this game does a really good job in a very subtle way of throwing that uh, colonialism in your face. It's the Mm -hmm. only game I've ever played where you kind of feel guilty for doing that kind of stuff. And it's also Mm -hmm. the only game I've ever played where you, you do feel sort of at once a part of this world. Um, in the regard that you kind of have to, like, become an entity in in this world and, and to survive mm. in it, you know, and you're, like, using mm. the natural resources to stay alive while also feeling like you're in- intruding. I don't know. I think it makes you think where a lot of other games, yeah. they yeah, well. do the exact opposite. Where,
1: where I think it really... Where I think the game, intentionally or not, but where I think it's really asking that question... Mm -hmm. About, you know, colonialism and that sort of thing and and conquering and that sort of like, you know, um, human centric or, you know, precursor civilization centric sort of thing is when you find the Sea Emperor Leviathan. And she says that she's been down there for a long time and the ones who came before who are no longer there, that they couldn't hear her. Yeah, But you have that information from earlier on in the game, from earlier bases, where there's the supposition that, at least on some level, the precursors were telepathic. They probably communicated in some sort of telepathic fashion, some sort of psionic fashion. When the Sea Emperor says that, and you have this other knowledge, I feel like the tension there is, could they not hear her? Or did they willfully ignore her or did she, oh. did they say she's not she's not worth listening to she's a beast she can't reason like is that some of the reason and of course the game doesn't answer this like this is just a question that i feel is there yeah, um, I don't know. I can't one. say for for certain if the developers meant to ask that question with that. Oh, they, absolutely but I think it's did. interesting that it's there. They, oh, yeah. okay, you think they so? Absolutely. <laughs> That's not because just, they okay.
0: do have the. Sorry to interrupt. Um, they do have the lore of the precursors knowing that the Sea Emperor is the solution, but not all Sea Emperors, because they do catch other Sea Emperors and they they're shown dead and through the dialogue of the uh leviathan when you talk with her she will actually say that they wouldn't listen or they couldn't um she couldn't communicate with them so it was kind of a tension in the her dialogue itself that says they captured her she refused to help them and the communication broke down huh because that is part of her dialogue, if you uh, listen very
1: carefully. Well, well, well. You basically just said what I just said.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm
1: like <laughs> right. Con- You're elaborating on it a little bit, but yeah, you, you just kind of said that. But what I'm meaning is that I don't want to, without having talked to the developers, I don't want to say that the developers intended directly, authorial intent for that question to be asked. It's definitely right. there but this the what my my statement was more of a this is authorial intent as opposed to this is emergent from the writing as we are perceiving it now that it's out in the wild as it were
0: well, i would i would love to kind of dig into this a little bit more and kind
1: of... because yeah i i think it would be really interesting if they did intend that that the tensions in the sea emperors uh dialogue with what you learn about the precursors as you go uh, I, I think it would be really interesting if that was directly intended, uh, but I don't know that that's the case. So that's why I was kind of tempering that with, I'm saying this is here, but I don't know if it was intended by the authors.
0: That's fair. Yeah. Uh, what would you to, t- to say to uh, doing um, a uh, lore like exploration of this? Like we just kind of split I, this up into our impressions of the game harder. itself, and then we talk... Yeah.
1: Ab- I would be... Yes. Super down for a lore chat and discussion. I think that Absolutely. that would be awesome I think there's a lot here to talk about. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I agree. And I don't want to like chop this off, but like it is sure like, ten thirty.
1: No, it's it's getting and late. I, yeah, and I know I opened a can of worms. Oh, you knowing it was late, but I just wanted to like um, hear your impressions on. So, that.
2: and I I actually had one more thought uh, just to bring it back to the colonialism thing, real quick. Um, Ooh. one thing that I noticed that was starkly different and we've talked about this before was the mm. fact like what you were saying Chandler, where you can't kill things i mean you can kill like little stuff for survival you can eat mm. but you can't you can't kill the leviathans i guess theoretically you probably could you
1: can but it's time consuming it's, and difficult it's monotonous
0: yeah. and intentionally
1: not rewarding
0: impractical
1: yeah, it's, it's not rewarding and it's not fun. Like, Right, anything, and it's totally
2: impractical. Anything larger
0: than survival, like eating fish, anything yeah. larger than that, you don't get any resources from, period. Right,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and that, that changes things, I think, because I think what I noticed, and this is something I don't think I've ever noticed in any game until this one. When... In most games you come across something like a Leviathan in this game where you know it's it's an it's an obstacle it's something that is impeding your ability to play the game easily because there's this thing that is attacking you and and you know basically acting as a roadblock that makes your life hard um, the human reaction and this is I think in many ways telling of how people work is eliminate the roadblock make it go away And that's only for my own personal convenience. And this game, by eliminating any kind of weapon that is super effective, takes that ability away from you. And in a way, forces you to live in the environment as... This is why I think I got that feeling of, like, I'm part of the environment, is when you stop treating predators as an inconvenience that should be eliminated, and instead you're like, I have to, like, respect that thing's territory and try to not get in in its way (laughs) and get killed, yeah, you start to become part of the environment instead of being an overlord of the environment. And this game makes you confront that, which I have never experienced. I don't even know if I've ever experienced that in my life until this game where you're just kind of like, oh, huh yeah when something it's, gets in our way we just kill it that's the automatic reaction
0: which is a very colonialist yeah. outlook yep. it's it's not yep. convenient it, to me i'm getting rid of it
1: yeah this, yeah the other thing that this game do, doesn't do
0: mm-hmm. is
1: it doesn't present these predators in this environment as evil no
2: the, no it does not there's
1: no there's no narrative around like this thing is is out to kill you it's evil it's going to you know it's like yeah it might try to chase you out of its territory it might try to bite you it might try to eat you yeah, but you it's hungry. not evil this is like this is something that's natural in this environment and i i think that's also very refreshing because a lot of other games will present things similar it's like oh this thing it's evil it's bad it's you know that you know on that same side of the and i need to conquer this i am the good i am the light oh, that was right
0: that was the interesting part about the speedrun was the speedrunner so there was a speedrunner who did this at uh, AGDQ 2020 for context. He kept calling the stalkers doggos because yep. they were animals that he needed something from but he couldn't take with force. So, yeah. a good portion of the, his speedrun is that just sitting there waiting for them to drop teeth, which is yeah, fascinating from a developer standpoint because th- the speedrunner themselves became quite fond of these animals that would attack him if he was too aggressive with trying to get them to drop their teeth by picking up these metal pieces of scrap.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So I do think the game has that in spades. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Tom. And the other mm-hmm. thing
2: that's really interesting about this game, and this just occurred to me, that is different from other games that I've played, is. In almost all other games, the quote-unquote bad guy, the predators, the things that hurt you, go after you with, like, blind rage. Like, if you get within range of any of those creatures, they just instantly attack you. Yep. They're and you prejudice. They're aggro. Yeah. yeah and you, <laughs> right. You don't get that in this game. You can actually swim right next to a uh, Reaper Leviathan, and they will ignore you sometimes.
0: Yeah, and then you're just, like, sitting yep. there trying to scan them with your little scan gun, and you're like, hey, don't get too far away now. I need to keep scanning
1: yep. you. <laughs> I need to yep. scan you.
2: Yep. Exactly. And it's like it's like the doggos, the stalkers. You can, you can just totally swim alongside them, and, and sometimes they'll ignore you for, like, five minutes straight. They'll just be oh, sitting yeah. there playing with their metal, having a good time, yeah. and then at some yeah. point they kind of go, you know, you've been here too long, which is... Yep.
1: You're very. too close to the metal I want to pick up, so I'm going to chase you.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's very—they behave much more like animals than they do bad guys, which totally changes the way the game is played. And that's
0: a Completely. very intentional choice from the designers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. For context, they did a uh, interview with Ars Technica about mm-hmm. um, a postmortem. They call it war stories. Um, and yeah. the lead designer explicitly said we did not want the creatures in this game to be viewed as monsters. So that's kind of unfair for me hmm. to call the Leviathans monsters, but I didn't want to say Leviathan at the time. But
2: yeah. Well and they're fucking terrifying. Yeah. So it, it is And that's by design. Yeah. But, but they're
0: not they're not <laughs> Malicious.
2: They're not evil. Yeah,
0: they're not evil. Yeah. They're just there. They're, they're terrifying
2: in the same way that, like, wandering, going on a hike and coming across a right. live cougar would be terrifying. The cougar isn't right. evil.
1: Yeah, no. It right. also doesn't
2: well, mean that you're not scared shitless. Exactly. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, also, with the way that, you know, the game is, especially with the Leviathans, like the Reaper Leviathan and the Ghost Leviathan, uh, that are, you know, somewhat a very fairly aggressive, is mm-hmm. it's more scary and more, quote-unquote, monstrous when, like, you can hear them, you can yeah. see them in the distance, you know that these things are predator types or something, they look like they're big predators, they look like they want to hurt you, and you are th- you can hear their, like, shrieking, like, the ghost leviathan especially has this, like, horrifying shriek when yep. it, like, wants to attack. And, like, that's almost more, like, that's where they're monsters, is where you're not familiar with them, you only catch a glimpse of them, you can hear the sound, and it's like, oh no... But then once you've seen it, or once you've been attacked by one, or once you've you you know you've sat in your cyclops silently with no lights, watching the ghost leviathan circle a few times before it swims away, it's just, oh, well, that's not a monster. That's, I mean, it's big, but it's not a monster. I mean, some people get really scared of the reefbacks, because the reefbacks make that big, loud, whale-like oh, groaning noise. Yes. Yeah kind of creepy and and, and it's like and they're kind of creepy if you don't know what it is and you don't know where that sounds coming from and especially if you're swimming through that area in the dark and you don't really know what's happening like that can be really scary until you realize oh it's these things they're making this noise and they're not they're just here they're just swimming around yeah like they're my friends now and that's
0: kind of very clever because they're typically the first uh leviathan that you will come across it's a non-violent one yeah
1: yep it's nonviolent and it sounds big and our brains are tend to be a little bit cued to like big loud sounds like means big Mm -hmm. thing danger uh so it's a nice play on that like instinctual like ooh that sounds big that must be dangerous
0: yeah and that's right that's Um, very clever to do that Mm -hmm. like they do a lot of very subtle priming of the player like Mm -hmm. a lot of people are Mm -hmm. afraid of what's underneath if you're on top you cannot see into the
1: water yep yeah yeah, yep. that's true. I, mm. I feel like
2: this game does something that no other game I've ever played has ever managed. And it's it's kind of hard to define. I mean, it's like you can listen to this entire podcast and, and kind of hear it. But, like, it's not one thing that it does that is different from any other game. This is a totally unique experience. I think that's probably why it's one of my favorite games ever. And, <laughs> and it's all of this stuff. It plays fundamentally differently than anything anything else i've ever played
0: so i agree with you completely there was mm-hmm. a um, article that i watched about this i don't know what else call a youtube video it's an article it's talking about it
1: v- video essay? yeah <laughs> video essay that i watched about yeah. this
0: that basically distinguished between horror and terror and yeah. kind of mm-hmm. said subnautica uses terror i think this was adam millard talks games or something um i'll Credit it. He was basically talking about how Subnautica uses terror and not horror because horror is the lizard brain fight or flight, and terror is the unknown and the exhilaration of it, and the terror of what could be down there that I don't know, and that psyching yourself out sort Mm -hmm. of thing. And Subnautica does exclusively terror but not horror. There's nothing horrific about what you see there's no bodies no that's true you don't the only blood that Mm -hmm. you see is from the fish when you run them over it's just like Like, a
2: little yellow splotch yeah Yeah.
0: and when you die there's no there's nothing cinematic about it Nope. it's all about the terror and psyching yourself out and i think that's where subnautica really becomes the game that does this
2: yeah Mm -hmm. i i totally agree and it's and it's a game that isn't trying to be terrifying no i mean it
0: it's all it kind bright It but it isn't.
2: Yeah, it's beautiful, bright colors. It's really pretty, super artistic.
0: And then loud objects and then distance.
2: <laughs> yes. The terror is something that happens organically instead of it being like, uh, you know, like jump scares and stuff like that. It's like you're scared because you feel like you're swimming around in a giant ocean with lots of things that can kill you. And, you're terrified and you're, in the same way that you would actually be terrified swimming around in the ocean and seeing a shark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the same
0: feeling. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's why uh-huh. Subnautica is so effective. That's why we want to talk about the lore of the game, because it's so yes. effective at the terror part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was just something that I really wanted to say about it, because that's <laughs> what makes this game oh, yeah. so
1: effective. Yeah, yeah. It is
2: so effective with that. Absolutely. Yeah, I I strongly think if anybody has any interest in games, this is one of those games that I feel like we should just be recommending to everyone. Because I'm like, look, if you like playing video games...
0: This is a game worth playing.
2: This is like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a memorable game. This is something mm -hmm. that you will not forget easily.
0: It it transcends somewhere between game and experience.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, I would agree. I i really would like to try it in vr because i feel like that would just take it to a whole other level
1: (laughs) yes
0: yes it probably would
1: it would be so amazing but i get so seasick it would just be it would not be a good experience but uh. you like i love this but i'm gonna go vomit (laughs) yeah it's like i this is amazing but i just (laughs) yeah That, that
0: would be problematic
2: You'd have to put on the headset, look around for a while, be like, ooh, and then take it off.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, yep, this looks just about as good as I thought it would. All right, I'm done.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Back to the bathroom. Yep.
0: (laughs) I got a good two minutes
2: of
1: it
0: before I felt sick.
2: Yep, yep, absolutely. But yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else to add?
0: I have a whole bunch I want to talk about, but I am going to keep that separate for the lore video. Or lore, Agreed. podcast. <laughs> I have one I'd love that. to talk about. But do you have
2: something you want to add to this one? Because we're clearly going to revisit this.
0: Yeah. Uh, impressions wise, I I think I hit the points that I love, which is the thrill of the unknown, yeah. the movement, mm-hmm. and honestly, even the bugs that I ran into were somewhat charming. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, they are. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. They're not yeah. game
1: breaking. They're yeah, kind of funny they're and just, cute. They're just kind of quirky. You know, it's, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: a it's a very yeah. well-polished game for what it did on such a small budget. Because mm-hmm. yeah. they really did only have, before they released to um, early release, they only had like six months of time. And then when they went yeah. into early release, they only had an extra couple months to really get people interested in in it. So what they did with going early alpha and getting enough critical mass to make it and survive out of early alpha is hugely impressive. Like this is an unqualified yeah. recommend game for me.
2: I would agree. And, and here's another thing that I'll say. This game is the best example I have ever encountered of why indie games are many, in many cases better. The graphics in this game are very pretty, but they're not technically complicated. No. It, it's You could have made this game 10 years ago plus.
0: You could have made it in Unity. Wait. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, the graphics are gorgeous without being, like, really powerful, you know, requiring a monster machine to play, that kind of thing. And the gameplay is reasonably simple with an asterisk it's like none of this stuff that's (laughs) in this game is novel what's novel is how it's all put together
0: i will put a qualified yes on that mostly because the different fabricators that you can eventually get access to is not Mm -hmm. obvious in any way shape or form Like, it took me a good two hours to realize that this moon pool that I added to my base was actually, it had its own fabricator built into the wall. Like, that was just (laughs) invisible to me. So I was like, how do I do this? (laughs) Which isn't unique to, like, anything or any of these survival Mm -hmm. crafting games. It was just one of those really claring friction points that once i got that i was like oh okay these other rooms will have their own fabricators now i got it mm-hmm. just a little signposting there would have been a lot better
2: i think i think it's also kind of thematically appropriate that you you the game doesn't explain a lot but again the way it explains it to you i think i think at one point the game tells you that you're like uh like a low level like Like not a janitor, but you're like a a basic mechanic or something like that for the ship. Of some sort. Yeah, you're like you're a nobody. You don't know how any of this stuff works. You just found yourself stranded on a planet and you gotta figure it out. So, it's thematically it months appropriate. It's takes of
1: training to learn to drive a prawn. What do you think you Yeah, in doing? fact, it
2: makes fun of you for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it regularly says, yeah, to be a proper helmsman of the, the Cyclops, yeah, you have to have, like, proper training and all of this stuff. And, and it takes it's supposed three to be people's. ran by three people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, yep. you're screwed, basically, is what it's trying to tell yeah. you. And so I feel like think? that's appropriate. And if you don't like the whole, like, struggling to figure out how things work, which is totally fair, Google's fine, it'll help. Yeah, (laughs) granted. I mean, Um, if
0: that's the worst I have for this game, that's a pretty, pretty soft.
2: That's a very agreed
1: complaint. Yeah,
2: Yep. But I mean, I, I feel like a lot of the the AAA title creators need to play Subnautica to remember what makes video games so compelling, because so much of them now are just cookie cutter, you know, copy paste copies of other games that have already been out. And this is the first time that I've I've gone into a video game and come out of it being like that was a novel experience, that was unlike anything else I've ever played, that was totally compelling. Um, mm-hmm. That's not something you encounter very often anymore. So I don't know. I cannot. Obviously, I liked the game. My overall impressions: A plus 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 plus.
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: fair. I. Yeah, I love this game. It's one of my favorite games ever. It's just, yes. it just does so much, and it's beautiful. And I like the ocean, and it's oceany, and it does that well. And yep. it, it's just you just it, it just the discovery. Just even though I've played it a couple times now, it's like even this time through, even though I'd already played it and knew where I was going, like it was still like a joy and like really like kind of you know just awing how yeah when you come to a new biome or or even surprising like the freaking mushroom forest which in my first playthrough apparently I only ever went to when it was dark so I thought it was a dark scary place and then in this playthrough I went wait light reaches the bottom here <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> yeah the
0: game does not uh hold your hand and that's definitely one of no, those it cases doesn't. Yeah, yeah,
1: like yeah. So it's just it's just really great, and the story. I, I mean, I was surprised that the story was you know, uh, you know, quite as deep and touching as it is. I mean, it's fairly simple. Like, there's not a whole lot to it. Like, you know, what you might expect in like an RPG or something. But it's, it's very there. It's very present. It holds itself up, and it it does help guide you through, if you're playing in story mode. Like, you know, doing things and where do you need to go and what do you need to do. And you know it kind of you know closes off in a really like feely way, which for me, I mean, if you hit, if you punch me in the feels, you know, yeah. you gain points. Yeah. So yeah. if if the game makes me cry, you have gained a lot of points because I'm having a lot of feelings and they're all coming out of my face. <laughs> so well done. Okay, that's fair.
0: I'm leaking feelings. That's fair.
2: <laughs> um, I'm no, leaking. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And, and actually, the other thing that is interesting about the storyline on this is, you're right, it isn't a super-involved story, but mm-hmm. again, this is the first time I've ever experienced a sandbox-style game that does a story and does it right in the yeah. regard that it's a, the story sort of organically evolves as you play the game. It doesn't yeah. feel like you're being pushed down a channel. It just genuinely feels like you're a survivor and you're getting information as it becomes available and you're putting the pieces together yourself. Yeah. The story doesn't tell itself. It just kind of Yeah. Here's a thing and then you kind of have to go, "Oh."
1: Yeah, it's and, like a mystery. It's yeah. it's like, you know, you're like, "Oh, wait, I what does this mean?" Well, "Oh, I found this new piece of information. Well, what does that mean? Like where does that leave me? What who this thing yes. is talking to me telepathically? What? I I guess I better figure out what that is before, unless I'm going crazy or something. Uh, It
2: (laughs) it makes you a part of the story. Your character never talks at any point Mm -hmm. in the entire game. Mm -hmm. You are the character and it does a great job of that. You're not like, I feel like I'm just guiding this other person around. It's like, no, this is me. I'm experiencing this.
0: Yeah. And if you're not paying attention, you won't know that your character has a mohawk until you see it in your shadow oh yeah. yeah holy crap <laughs> yeah. yeah like i saw that i was like wait huh. I, I have a mohawk i mean my character has a mohawk <laughs> <laughs> which wait tells you it's doing its job yeah, and it's very good at yeah. that it does environmental yeah. storytelling better than bethesda Oh, which is high that's praise not, from yeah. me. Oh,
2: wow yeah. yeah yeah it does that's a mm. kind of profound thought but you're totally right absolutely it does a better
0: job yeah because it shows mm. and doesn't tell
2: Yep. Yep.
1: So. And your big and your big climactic story moment where you meet the sea emperor, you don't need to have dialogue there. You just have to listen to her. Yep. And yeah. The way that plays out is perfect. Like you just the silent protagonist really works there. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right.
0: Okay. Yep. We should probably cut this way long yes. uh episode off yeah. a little bit. So yes. we can save some more of the <laughs> Juicy bits for lore talk.
1: Oh oh yes. Oh the juicy bits. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: so uh this has been the adventure mechanics. I'm Chandler. I'm Devin. And I'm Tom. And we will talk to you later.
1: Bye. Beep. Don't drown.
2: <laughs> yeah. Don't forget to eat.
1: Or that. Or drink. Hydrate, <laughs> hydrate, hydrate. <laughs>